0: As I was sitting there, I heard a loud gunshot go off in my head. My first instinct was, I thought that I had been shot. I don't feel any blood. I, I couldn't have been shot. So my next instinct was, this has got to be a, a brain aneurysm. And then it was like lava and lightning going through my skull. And I thought, oh, God, this is it. And when I looked around, I was in darkness. And that's whenever the realization hit me, I'm really dead. It seemed like while I was there that I was almost in an invisible box and I was separate from everything. There was a presence that came up over my left shoulder. And he told me right to my mind, you're not here forever. And off in the distance, I saw this purple globe. It looked like a a map of brain neurons. And when I saw it, I kind of thought, what was that? Yeah, What is that? And he told me, that's the fabric of humanity. And I remember just kind of sitting there and going, wow, this is big. Something amazing has been revealed to me here.
1: Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Welcome everyone to Higher Journeys. And of course, if it is your first time here, I welcome you. I'm your host, Alexis Brooks, and I'm here with someone that I just had an amazing conversation with, someone I had the pleasure of meeting uh, quite a few months ago uh, at AlienCon. We were both participating. I'm so anxious for you to hear her story. Her name is Mindy Talkfest. She's the author of the book, Dying to Meet Them, One Woman's Incredible Journey from NDE to UAP. Mindy, welcome.
0: Thank you so much, Alexis. It's great to be here.
1: I had to really think about where to go, what road to go down uh, with this story, Mindy, because yours is full, and I'm going to have to uh, allow you (laughs) to tell the story about what led to your NDE and what the NDE entailed. But I want to say this up front for everyone watching. Mindy has gone through an incredible sojourn. From life to afterlife, back to life, and has emerged with a thesis that is unlike any I've ever heard. We were just actually talking about uh, Dr. Kenneth Ring, you may know that name, pioneer in near death research and beyond, uh, who has been a mentor to Mindy. And he himself, if I may say, I'm gonna put you on the spot, Mindy, uh, feels that the way you're approaching this work in near death uh, studies and beyond is maybe unmatched here here, here. Uh, to this point. So there's a lot to talk about. We're going to get into the idea that this, uh, let's just say, I'm going to tease it. This reality uh, is not at all what we think it is made of and how you came to that conclusion. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you go into your story. I think we should just start right at the beginning. In 2016, you were 36 years old. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Pretty
0: young still. Um, living yeah. out on, on a big 300 acre wheat farm up in Northern Oklahoma. Um, we had moved back out there. My father-in-law was having some health problems and having trouble, you know, keeping up with the farm work and my husband being a good, strong farm boy, um, said, okay, well let's move back there and, and help out dad. So we had moved back out, out there and our children were young. Uh, they were elementary age and had kind of settled in. He was working at the local school. He was a teacher and a coach, and he drove the bus, and, um, you know, the the kids were attending the school there, and he was preaching some on the weekends. We were Southern Baptist, and he had come from uh, Church of Christ, and I had a more Pentecostal background, so (laughs) the uh, Baptist faith kind of, you know, met us in the middle there, and so we were... Very religious. Um, we had Bible studies each night with the kids, and you know, said our prayers and attended church faithfully. Um, and I have always had some kind of a interest in paranormal stuff because I've had those kind of encounters all my life. Okay, and that's what led me to meeting up with my husband. Um, he had reached out to me on MySpace, if you remember. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and, and I said, Oh, you're a preacher. I have questions for you. Uh, at the time I was having problems with shadow people and um, it, yeah, the, it had shown up when I was eight and kind of followed me all through my early twenties. And so I I didn't understand why I was having that kind of a negative attachment or haunting or whatever you want to, you know, that that's a whole nother su- subject going into the shadow people. But um so I had I had met up with him that way. And so he knew I always had an interest in these kinds of things. So back on the farm, we're out there. Um and that morning I woke up, it was actually election day between Hillary and Trump. So you know everybody is you know <laughs> you know the vibes were high that day mm-hmm. um i got up and and my face was swollen and i took a picture and sent it to my husband i said hey my face is swollen i don't know what's going on i'm not hurting but um something's up and so i took a benadryl and went and jumped in the shower and figured you know give it some time maybe it'll go down some because it wasn't too terrible. Um, just something a little bit abnormal. And when I got out of the shower, uh, it was early afternoon, probably three, four o'clock. And I was waiting for John and the kids to come back home. And I sat there and I was looking up to see if there were any early exit polls coming out. Mm -hmm. And as I was sitting there, I heard a loud gunshot go off in my head. And my first instinct was, I thought that I had been shot there had been coyote hunters around that area in the days prior. And I thought, oh, crap, they have shot through this flimsy old trailer and they have shot me in the head. And, you know, your thoughts are going so fast. Um, I'm thinking, OK, I don't feel any blood. I, I couldn't have been shot. Um, so my next instinct was this has got to be a, a brain aneurysm. Uh, I had been an ICU nurse by trade, and so I'm I'm trying to go through all my assessment, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and as I'm doing this, I felt what I describe as an electrical avalanche, and it went from the my very top of my head, and it kind of rolled off like an onion. It was like a peeling away feeling all the way down to my toes, and then it was like lava and lightning going through my skull mm. incredible incredible pain and I felt my head dropping and I thought oh god this is it and so I'm freaking out my front door's open my kids are going to run in any moment and I'm waiting for them to come in and give me hugs and kisses like they always did you know and and I thought oh god they're going to come in and they're going to find me dead and I could not it it broke my heart, you know, and I'm thinking, well, John couldn't handle it either. He's so tender hearted, you know, God, you know, if I can pull through this, please give me, give me strength to pull through this. I don't want to be a burden on them, but I I can't live with the thought of them discovering my body here. Um, And so I was in deep, deep prayer um, and in incredible pain. And as I sunk deeper and deeper into prayer, I stopped because it seemed like I had been praying for a long time. And when I looked around, I was in darkness and I thought, okay, this is, this is different. So I, I never had like a leaving my body. I never hovered over or anything like that. I was just there. Um, I think I was so distraught that I, I didn't even notice, um, So when I'm in this darkness, I'm just trying to fill out the environment. I'm trying to figure out where am I. And so my first instinct was to put my hand in front of my face. And that's what you see on the cover of the book is that hand in the darkness. And I wanted to see if, if I could see anything, if it was dark or if it was just nothing there. And so when I put my hand out, I couldn't see it. And so my next instinct was clap my hands, like, because I thought, well, do I have hands? <laughs> so I started clapping and I couldn't. And that's whenever the realization hit me, I'm really dead. I, I'm I'm crossed over. And so I start going through my Christian teaching. What's next? Um, I'm waiting for judgment. I'm waiting for the tunnel of light. I'm waiting for my loved ones to show up I'm waiting for Jesus and as I'm waiting nothing is happening and I'm I'm trying to go through these different scenarios I'm waiting I'm looking around for anything and I start calling out hello hello and it's nothing and the longer it takes the more and more distraught I was getting and more heartbroken because I'm realizing Jesus isn't coming nobody's coming and so that turns into a self-reflection what have I done why am I here am I here by myself forever and part of the hard thing there was that All I was was my emotions. I didn't have anything. I couldn't twiddle my thumbs. I couldn't turn on the TV. I couldn't take anything off of my distress. And I had to feel it completely. Um, So I start kind of, I didn't have a life review like some people, you know, describe. Mine was more of a self-reflection and a, why have you forsaken me, God? You know, and I'm looking back through events in my life. And I'm trying to figure out, what have I done that I I didn't make it to heaven? I've been a pastor's wife. I've traveled all over the state of Oklahoma proclaiming the good news. And here I am in the darkness, alone and forsaken. I, I could not wrap my mind around it. And I'm thinking about my husband and my kids. What are they doing? Have they discovered my body yet? I'm trying to grapple with losing them um because now i've been separated from them it seemed like while i was there that i was almost in an invisible box and i was separate from everything i could feel god and creation and i now use the word source really Mm -hmm. um because it wasn't a personification it had more of a an intelligence that spanned all of creation all of time everything and i could feel that immense power all around me can i, but can I,
1: I was... st- i'm so sorry can i stop just for a moment at what point yeah. mindy you went from feeling alone in in this dark box so was there a transition from that to all of a sudden you felt the source at what point did that happen i
0: became i i became aware of it um i almost felt like a spectacle you know, that I was separate from everything, yet I was being observed. And I could feel that, that immense power around me. And that's part of what crushed me so much was that I was separate from it all. I was separate from everything, from everyone. And it, how do you even begin to comprehend? What have I done that's so horrible that I can't connect with anything in existence? Um, it, it was hard. It, it was very distressing. Um, distressing is a very good word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was, uh, you know, trying to work through what had happened, um, what I had done, I came to the realization that I had no problem loving others. That had never been my problem. It was loving myself. And once I realized that There was a presence that came up over my left shoulder. Um, And I, I felt him there. I couldn't see him. It was definitely male, but it wasn't Jesus. It wasn't my grandfather. It wasn't anything that I could identify as human or angelic or divine. It was just a presence, it was an entity. And he told me, you know, right to my mind, you're not here forever and i it was instant relief because i i i knew someone was there i knew i wasn't there forever and it was i I'd go into the book it was almost sterile it wasn't like a a kindness um it was it was a sterile kindness let me say that um it wasn't you know to comfort me necessarily um it wasn't a warmth but it was knowledge relayed to me to help relieve my suffering Mm -hmm. so in that it was a kindness um and it almost felt like he wasn't even supposed to do that (laughs) but he did um it was kind of hesitant um Hmm. but he helped um and whenever he did then we started soaring off to the left and off in the distance i saw this purple glow it's the only thing i saw while i was over there and as I got closer and closer to it, I could see these bright pink lines in, in between it. And where they joined up, it was bright yellow. And it looked like a, a map of brain neurons. And I've since seen, you know, kind of a comparison between that and the cosmic web. It's mm-hmm. exactly what I saw. And when I saw it, I kind of thought, what was that? Yeah, what is that? And he told me, that's the fabric of humanity. And I remember just kind of sitting there and going, wow, this is big. Something amazing has been revealed to me here. Um, and I could just feel love radiating off of it. And I thought, wow, I wanted to go to it so bad that he kind of indicated it's not for you. And we continued sailing off to the left. And when we did, I was inserted back in my body. And whenever I came to, I rebooted. It was a hard restart, like a computer starting up. Mm. Um, and it was a vroomp, you know kind of feeling. Right. And I could hear the TV. Um, it was kind of muffled, and my head was ringing so loud, and I was confused and trying to find my phone to call my father-in-law. Um, and I, I finally did, I had had a stroke, so I kept falling down my left or my right arm kept, you know, I'd try to prop up on it and it would just fall. Um, but I was able to get my phone and call my father-in-law and he was there within minutes standing in my living room. Um, and then it was okay. We've got to get me to a hospital.
1: Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about, uh, the aftermath. Well, we're going to go into the the aftermath, of course, but the reaction of the people. You went to the hospital, and what was there? What was the treatment there? <laughs> or the literally, non-treatment. And, yeah, or non treatment.
0: Yeah, um, well, we lived, like I said, out on on that farm. We were thirty miles from the nearest small town. Uh, so we were in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and we went to the little county hospital, um, and they were so ill-equipped. They they did one scan of me. Uh, whenever I arrived, I was still slurring my words. My arm was still limp. Um, it was obvious I was having stroke symptoms. Um, but in the time that I was there over those few hours, it started kind of resolving, And so by the time they got the scan done and everything, they said, well, maybe your neck shifted and you pinched a nerve. And I thought, no, (laughs) something really, really dramatic happened here. Um, You're missing something. And they said, well, we don't see anything indicated on the scan. So we're going to go ahead and send you home. Come back if you have any more problems. (laughs) And so the next morning I got up. I had another stroke. Yeah, I uh, called it. a friend from church and she took me in um and they treated me like I was a drug seeker. Um being a nurse, I knew what they were what they were kind of putting
1: towards you knew me. the language, you knew the yeah.
0: I did. Um mm-hmm. and they had called my neurologist um and he said, you know, that she has these types of migraines that look like strokes. <laughs> And it was so ridiculous because I, I, at that time, I couldn't even tell them, you know, I literally went to the other side. I'm trying to deal with my failing physical health. I can't even begin to address the mental and spiritual aspects. Um, And this, this went on for two years that two years, they kept sending me home and, you know, the specialists would not look into it further. Um, And finally, I told my husband. I'm going to die if this happens again it will kill me Um, we've got to get some help because I was still passing out every day uh, my head was still on fire that lava feeling which I know now is um, uh, they call it the suicide disease because it's so horribly painful um, which was an after-effect of that vertebral artery dissection I had um, and I'll get into that. That's when we moved out here to to Oklahoma City within two weeks. And here's some divine intervention for you. Um, we bought a new house here in the city and we moved in and we didn't have our cable, you know, and DVR and all that hooked up yet. So we had a little Roku stick and the Roku, um, they have like little 30 second commercials you have to watch. Every single one was for Integris Baptist Hospital that's here in Oklahoma City, and it was like heroes of the hospital, you know. And so I'm watching, and I I caught the tail end of one, and I said, oh, I want to see this because it was a young thirty-something blonde nurse hmm. who had something happen. I said, oh, I want to see what happened to her, um, and which was out of the ordinary because there for those first two years, I couldn't even watch a, a medical episode on tv i had such (laughs) severe ptsd i i it sent me into a panic um but anyway so i finally caught the commercial the next time it came on and the girl said i was a nurse and i was you know getting up and getting ready and i got in the shower and i heard a loud pop and then i fell to the floor and my arm went limp and i'm like oh my my
1: god john okay
0: (laughs) look this up
1: That's beyond, uh, certainly beyond coincidence. Let's pause on that for a minute, Mindy, because particularly now as a researcher, and when I say researcher, she's deep into it. How would you frame what that was beyond even beyond synchronicity? Could that have been an aspect of you you were seeing? That's interesting. Um, I've
0: just always looked at it as, you know, divine guidance um, that too. I was that too. I was sent back here for a purpose and to get to that purpose I had to go through these these steps this whole journey to get me where I am today. And I absolutely, I believe that I was supposed to go over to the other side. I believe I was supposed to go to the void specifically. I believe that I I needed to go through each of these things to get me where I'm going. Um, and I'm I can't be happier today than I'm living my dream
1: now, you know? I think this is a good time. You know what I want to do, everyone? I'm going to play a clip for you. Uh, Mindy was kind enough uh, to give me this clip and some research that I was doing uh, for a workshop that I actually just gave yesterday and uh, regave it and also have given it uh, um, live. So I want to play this for you, have a comment about that, but then we're going to go back in time because I want to get more into your NDE experience and who you may have shared some of your story with. But let's watch this first. Okay.
0: So being a near-death experiencer and a researcher of UFO phenomena, I found that a lot of times that these kind of encounters can be very, very frightening. My personal encounter was in a place of darkness and I didn't end up having a heavenly type scenario. So I lived with a lot of fear for several years following that. But in time came understanding and acceptance and it allowed me to see much more of the bigger picture. And it gave my life so much more meaning knowing that I'm part of something that is so big and so grand and that we are here for a reason and we are to love each other. We are connected to one another. And that's really our purpose for being here. So, whereas I wasn't living my life to my fullest purpose before, these kind of encounters actually kind of spring me up into what I'm doing now in working with other experiencers. I think that people that have these type of encounters are sometimes the best people to you know, talk with and to share your encounters with, because we understand. Uh, We all come from different places and we're all at different parts and, you know, at different parts of our path and in talking to one another, we can come together and we can share ideas and we can start understanding the reason behind some of these different types of encounters that we have. Um, So, you know, you might come in initially with fear But eventually, most of the time, these things turn out to be a wonderful blessing in disguise because they really open our eyes to what really is out there and our full purpose.
1: A blessing in disguise, indeed, Mindy, a blessing in disguise. I want to talk a little bit now about, uh, and I had the, the the pleasure of kind of power reading through in preparation for our interview. I'm definitely reading the whole book as soon as I get my hard copy. But you you tell an interesting story about uh, someone that you were you needed to leave home for a while. There there were a number of sort of transitions you had to make on your journey back to healing, and I think yeah. you were spending time. I don't know if it was a, a friend or who who that person was, but in that Period of time that you were spending with her, you talk about how you would almost go into an altered state. And she said you were telling her snippets of the experience that you had. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that was
0: what before we moved to the city. Um, It was right after she was actually the one that drove me to the hospital when I was having that second stroke. Um, And she lived there in town. And she had offered, you know, if if you want to be with someone during the day, I'm home all day. Why don't you come stay with me until they get this figured out? So that first month, oh God, it was, I can't even, it was so hard to leave my husband and my kids. While I'm dealing with all of this, my husband is distraught, doesn't know what's going on with me. And I moved in with a church friend and I had only met her like three times. I didn't even know her that well, you know, she was just this amazing human being who showed such compassion for me and for what was going on. Um, God. And she's one of my most highly prized friends now, you know, Um, we've, we've been through so much together now. Um, But I, I would sit up. Um, I moved in for that first month, um, and we did. we went back and forth to the hospital sometimes and they'd send me home again and she was there through me passing out and having these horrible episodes and having PTSD reactions and um, and I a lot of that time I have you know mentally blocked out in uh, speaking with her later, she was the one that she said, you know, you were sharing things with me, and I have little snippets of of sitting up on the couch. I was having terrible nightmares. I don't remember that. Uh, I guess yelling out, and I couldn't sleep, and um, so she would get up, and we'd sit up three, four o'clock in the morning, and and watch these silly TV shows together, you know, just and she would just be with me, and. She said that I would stop sometimes. I would sit there, we'd be watching TV and I would have the remote. She would let me, you know, control it, just whatever my brain needed. And I would pause it and I would turn to her and I would just start talking about the other side or talking about, you know, um, just different aspects of it. Uh, trying to process what I had been through, and so she had gotten a pretty good idea of what had happened um, just from these snippets that I was sharing with her at that time, but I didn't even remember sharing it Mm. because in my memory, I didn't talk about it at all for those first two years. Uh, I, I struggled so hard with being able to share that aspect of my encounter with my husband. Because we had talked about these things before. We didn't think that near-death experiences were real. We thought they were a trick of the mind and this and that, you know.
1: Um, and even we with your, I'm sorry, even with your prior encounters with uh the non-human realm. Well, I'll
0: tell you, I was more on the accepting side. He was more fundamentalist and we would discuss. He's very persuasive. He was part of the debate team all through high school and college, Mm -hmm. (laughs) went to college on a debate scholarship. Um, And so I could see his point of view, you know? Um, But so we were leaning more towards, you know, maybe, that, you know, man is only supposed to die once. Um, And so to bring that to him and say, I had this type of encounter, it's real. And then to have to say, I didn't go to heaven, and Jesus didn't show up. Hmm. Those are heavy things to try to put on someone that you love, and so I held it in and held it in. I I went through PTSD counseling, and that was another divine intervention where it happened to be a a teacher at his school had gotten her her counseling degree and was looking into PTSD and different treatments, and then um, we were completely broke. And she said, I'll come over each Tuesday on my lunch break. And she would drive from her lunch break. I still wasn't driving. I was scared to drive and pass Mm -hmm. out and everything. So she would drive to our house every Tuesday and we would have an hour session for free. And that beautiful woman helped me through all of these different stages of the physical, you know, the kids would drop a cup and I would freak out mm-hmm. you know and uh, i'm 90 percent deaf i lo- lost 90 percent of my hearing from from the aneurysm um and she helped me kind of reel that in and be able to to you know live life i couldn't even go to church the flashing lights and the bands and sure. that's when church stopped for me i i want to after that i couldn't go back in um and i couldn't go to rock concerts and stuff you know and it, I still can't Um, just having those heightened, yeah, those heightened senses that we return with. um, It's overwhelming. And I've been able to, you know, kind of incorporate that now. Mm -hmm. But getting back to telling my husband, I was going through that, that counseling and then the pandemic hit and I I had just texted her and said, next session, I want to talk to you about something different. Um, I was ready to to talk about the near-death experience and start trying to pull that apart. And then we couldn't meet. And that was kind of before Zoom had kind of taken, you know, a step forward. Uh, so I was waiting. And after a couple of weeks, I finally just couldn't hold it anymore. And I told my husband, look, I died that day. And this is what I encountered. Mm-hmm. I was so scared. Um, not because of his reaction I was scared of just destroying all of his beliefs in in one go um, most people that have near-death experiences 80 percent or so or more end in divorce because people change so much um, and my husband it, it, and you'll meet him one of these days I hope so it, he is such a yeah a dear, dear man that he said, no, we'll we'll figure this out together. Um, He didn't even doubt me one bit because he saw the terror in my eyes. The first time that I sat and talked about it, it was ugly crying for hours. And I remember my kids were sitting on the couch and they're looking with their jaws open, you know, what does all this mean? And so it really, that, that time of, of the pandemic gave us time mm-hmm. to take a step back as a family and look through these things and dive in and really assess what is the deeper meaning here um and my husband actually is the one that found ions which is the international okay. association for near-death gonna, studies right and he he signed us up let's go to a meeting oh, wow isn't
1: that amazing well you know yeah. at this point you said something that triggered. Where I think I'd like to take this conversation, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me, and where I think uh, the audience—I know they're going to—they're finding the whole story fascinating, but even more so, I want to now go into what you were able to pull out of, and this I'm sure has taken years still of searching and, but the impression that what you witnessed left you with having to do with the possibility of a matrix-like reality that we are living in. I really want to spend some time on this because guys, yeah. you got to read this book. We're going to we have an announcement about that in a minute. But <clears throat> excuse me, you brought some very powerful concepts, not necessarily original, but the way you arrived at them is indeed powerful. Let's get into that right now. If you're enjoying this episode, along with all of the subjects that we cover here on Higher Journeys, then I invite you to join our members-only community on Patreon, where we go even deeper into the conversations with the guests that you know and love. Not only does your membership ensure that we can keep this work going and growing, but you'll also get immediate access to our exclusive after-shows. Get up close and personal with the guests of the show, along with many other member perks. So click on the link below to join now or visit higherjourneys.com where you'll find the Patreon link. We'll see you on the journey. Thanks. I want to read a quote from your book. You say, the avatar which I donned in order to regain my life here was able to be mended through code manipulation. But using the power, I'm sorry, using the combined will of consciousness through practices such as prayer, meditation, and manifestation. But the fact that you use these terms, avatar, uh, uh, code manipulation, you know, this sort of stunning perception that you had in the years following of the experience in which you started really looking into the idea of an encoded reality made up of zeros and ones. At what point did that dawn on you? And where did you go with it? Let's talk about this for a while.
0: Okay. And that, it didn't dawn on me. It was instant. Whenever I returned, it was an instant reboot. And I, I had to look into being a nurse. Was this derealization? Because I had such a mental disconnect, trying to reinsert myself back into this life. I now knew the reality of the void, I knew our true existence. I felt it. I I was there. Um, I felt the expanded consciousness that I had over there, and the true sense of our being. And I was I I, I discuss in the book, it's almost like putting on a virtual reality headset, mm-hmm. and then being locked into it. If you, you know, thought, oh, well, let me try this on, you know, let me go visit this little community, you know, in, in my virtual reality, and then you couldn't leave. And you had this memory of your husband and your kids and your job and your friends and your life in the other reality. That's what I came back with. I came back with that knowledge of this other reality, which was our true form. And now I'm forced to live in this this simulation. And I was so happy to be back and to have my life. I was don't don't get me wrong, I, I was happy to be back here and to have that opportunity to live out the rest of my life here with my husband and kids and you know, family and friends. But there was still that disconnect um, of trying to reconcile my existence here with what I know to be our true existence and that, that connection between everything and it's not here. There's such separation here. We are horrible to each other. You know, there's goodness within humanity, but we're all living our individual lives, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're absorbed in our own, our own lives and the things that we're doing and we forget that connection, you know? Um, Part of the near-death phenomena is the life review. And Dr. Kenneth Ring, who I write about quite a bit in my book, um, he influenced a lot of my research as far as the connections between UFO experiencers and near-death experiencers. But he speaks of the golden rule, uh, which comes from the life review process. And people that go through that They say that they experience their life from the viewpoint of the other person. So say you get Mm -hmm. in a fight and you punch someone out, you feel that punch, Mm -hmm. you feel it from their, their perspective. And you can never forget that. Um, These people return and they know the ramifications of their actions. And so how can you treat others horribly? you know you think twice before you say that bad thing to them or you hurt someone's feelings in fact you you change to where you go out of your way to let each person know just how incredible they are and how much you're happy that they're here you know absolutely um, yes because you you know you remember that connection right um so this isn't just you know unique to me
1: coming back with that connection. Um.
0: And, and yet you weren't given over there.
1: And yet you weren't given the life review as it's described, which is interesting. So, I mean, l- l- let me ask you this because you, you're obviously well read now in the near death research as well as UFO UIP. Uh, by the way, Mindy is really, really uh, entrenched and work with MUFON. I want to talk about that before we close out in Oklahoma. Uh, but in terms of the research of NDEers that have uh, in the aspects that you're finding tend to be common is the life review a part of it or no
0: yeah yeah it's normally pretty common um like I said mine was kind of different it was more of a self-reflection right but many near-death experiencers do have the life review and I while I didn't have that I still felt that connection. I, mm-hmm. I saw the fabric of humanity. And I even go into in my book that I believe that it it's bilocational. It 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 resides there, but it resides here too, mm-hmm. in this invisible web between all of us. Um so really what we do affects other people, it affects the 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 whole. Um and we've got to get away from these divisions, needless divisions and mm-hmm. hatred for no reason. Some of these orthodoxies from the different religions that have perpetuated violence, we've got to let it go. Right. Um, and I think that when people get over there, they'll see, you know, there's great truths in the world's religions. There's absolutely foundational truths. I, I guess I would call myself an omnis now because I do see truth. In all of them, but I also see some man-made stuff injected there no that has
1: yeah.
0: that has continued the divisions. Um, and you got to wonder where that comes from. Uh, what what orchestrated those divisions?
1: Well, um, that that leads us down the road. I want to stick with this idea of of how you so brilliantly wove in. A scientific or even quasi-scientific approach to what you saw bringing in this idea of a, of a possible simulation literally with binary code involved. Yeah, let's yeah, for that question, let's bring in this possibility. Who's creating the code if this is the case? And could whoever or whatever is creating the code also be inserting these division uh, uh, programs, if you will?
0: Well I I that's a loaded question. There's several parts to it right. <laughs> um, and I I don't want to get deep into religion, but um i've I've been listening, I told you um to Billy Carson lately, and um Paul Wallace has done an amazing job of going back and looking at some of the root words found in the Hebrew language that was mm-hmm. translated into the Old Testament. and so, it really lines up there. It had that ring of truth to me. And it's something I've been searching for for the last seven, eight years that I have been trying to reconcile um, my religious beliefs with, you know, um, the tales that have been passed down throughout thousands of generations, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds of generations, thousands of years. Um, and then we find these tales all over the world. Uh, and that really some of their work has really brought things together for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'd like to, you know, encourage people to go and and hear them out. Um, (laughs) Both of them are very, very brilliant men. Um, I think that there is a connection between the UFO and near death phenomena, and it resides within consciousness. That consciousness transcends um, into that source reality where I was. And I think that some of these UAP, and and this isn't speaking, you had mentioned I was with MUFON. MUFON doesn't take a stance on this, but Mindy Totfest does. (laughs) So I have to give that little disclaimer there. But I believe that these UAP are coming from a race that has maintained that conscious connection with the source. And so they are presenting interdimensionally and physically. Um, they're able to travel those great distances, but they're also able to manipulate our reality. Um, and through different code insertions, they're able to pop in and pop out of our reality. They're able to stand at someone's, you know, the foot of someone's bed and then take them to i
1: I'm sorry, I I have to stop you because you're giving us so much code (laughs) insertions. Please explain when you say code insertions that they may be using that to come in Uh, come and go in our reality. What what are code insertions? I am not, I'm not smart enough
0: to even begin. (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe Billy Carson could tell us more, but somehow um, they have technology well beyond. Um, And I believe we were created here as a race with minimal um consciousness connection to that source. We have memory of it. We have a longing for it. It's built into us. But I think that they've maintained much more intelligence about that source. Um, and so they're able to, whether it's technologically or consciously, manipulate some of the energy fields here to be able to pop into our reality. Um, one of the things Billy Carson talks about is thoth. Being able to um, transfer his consciousness between the different avatars. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely believe that they've maintained that ability, um, much like I was inserted back into my avatar. And it was, it caught my attention because here he used that same language of, you know, inserting into the avatars. And um, so they could absolutely build um, some kind of an entity, which we've heard that the grays are. A biological created drone, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense that they could create some kind of biological entity and control it via consciousness or remotely, like
1: much like we do with our drones. I'm fascinated with the 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 weaving in or the inference of numbers playing a role, coding of numbers. UAP UFO encounters broadly speaking how people are seeing coded numbers or we could call them coded numbers, whether they're repeating numbers, number patterns frequently now more than ever. I have to have you speak on this and guys, we're not just talking about eleven eleven. now obviously i've I've actually incorporated some of what I feel eleven may represent in, in a lecture or two of mine, but I'm I'm just intrigued by there's something deeper going on and could it be connected to what you're touching on here, living in a simulated reality. And these advanced entities, understanding that connection, having maintained that conscious, conscious connection, consciousness connection, are able to utilize the reconfiguration of numbers to come in and out. But in the process, more and more, Normal people on terra firma, as I always say, are starting to glimpse these numbers. Could there be a connection with why so many people are seeing these repeating numbers right now? Well, I mean,
0: what better way than to quite literally put numbers in front of you. Um, you know, it it makes you think of like the double slit experiment and the observer effect yeah. where, um, and I, I go into this in my book, this is some of what the US government was doing back in 83 with uh, analysis and assessment of the gateway process, uh, where they were trying to send psychic spies literally over into the absolute to make contact with entities there and gather information um, and I'm sure that's probably still ongoing but um, we know that the government was even looking into the connections between that other side and our physical reality um, so I think that using numbers quite literally for us to be able to observe you have the observer there and from that other side to be able to send information um to experiencers via actual numbers um to guide them on paths that's a quite literal easy way of communication mm-hmm. um i know that we have conscious con you know consciousness based communication telepathy um people get downloads um i think that this is a very easy way to send information um, on a wide scale.
1: Mm-hmm. That's very uh, profound. We, I, I don't know that we'll ever know, Mindy, what what what's behind this barrage of numbers with so many people. Yeah. It'd be tempting to say that the people, by and large, that are seeing these numbers on a regular basis, have somehow linked up with a broader level of, of reality. But I can't speak for everyone that's seen numbers. It could be someone that is not even remotely interested has not had any experience. But I don't know something's happening here. Something is absolutely happening. Do you believe there's going to be an eventual and maybe in the short term revelation of what you glimpsed that many more people will see and and understand? Do you think something's coming in terms of an I'm understanding? Hopeful. i I'm hopeful.
0: You know, i i I have this dissonance in my mind because of my religious upbringing, and of course, you're looking towards the apocalypse and everything, you know, on the other side, you're hopeful that we can go another way. And I think that sometimes there are these interruptions within human history to get us back on that path. Uh, One of the things that Kenneth Ring heavily believed was that these kind of encounters, these UFO encounters, the near death experiences that they're almost like a shamanistic journey and they happen to different people to keep humanity on track um to just remind us keep loving each other it's very simple you're okay. all connected love each other it, it's a very simple message you know <laughs> but i don't know if if humanity will ever catch on I, i'm so hopeful mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. As long as we keep having people coming forward and, you know, opening up and sharing these kind of encounters, um, the evidence becomes more and more hard to deny that there is a source reality and that um, we are so much more than we realize, uh, than we've been led to believe. And I think that that's probably one of the things that we need to break through is this kind of controlling mindset uh, where we've allowed ourselves to remain slaves. Let's stop, and let what if we started helping each other? <laughs> you know, what if, what if we just started loving each other? Could that be um, the
1: key to unlocking the matrix? I mean, you you refer to this absolutely. source reality. It's very interesting. Because of the upbringing that you've had that has been instilled in you, where you used very fundamental terms like Jesus, Lord, God, do you find yourself not using that as much anymore and referring to source or source reality? I do.
0: I do. And like I had had mentioned, uh, Paul Wallace and his work it has made a profound impact on me because it really kind of solidified. I've I've been searching. I mean, I'm not even going to lie for the last eight years. I've been searching where does my religious belief lie? You know, what does all this information mean in light of what I've believed before? Um, number one, I have a higher reverence for God than I ever did before. Um, there will ever, I, I could never deny him. Um, jesus i believe plays a huge role uh one of the things that paul wallace points out is the difference between old testament little g god who Mm -hmm. identified as yahweh versus what jesus said and jesus rebuked a lot of what he what the old testament god was saying Mm -hmm. he said you heard moses said this but i tell you this right and he Mm -hmm. actually told stories that repudiated some of the things found in the old testament
1: Absolutely. um yeah.
0: he he approaches it more from a, a mindset that these are retellings of some of the ancient sumerian tablets um that record our true history with et visits um and they were mistranslated and in the 7th century as yahweh um And even the Catholic Church, I guess, has come out now and said, do not use Yahweh's name in Christian worship. Uh, I think that they've caught on to the fact that the Old Testament's very different than what we have believed. And now that we've had that ability to go back and translate these tablets, it's only been within the last hundred years or so that we've been able to look at these tablets and translate them and know, okay, these are telling the same story. Um. Maybe things were not transcribed exactly as they were. Um, so it gives me a whole new look at religion. Um, I think that it makes perfect sense the way that it's presented um, by the Bible scholars, such as uh, Wallace. Um, hmm. It it separates it out because I can never reconcile a jealous and vengeful God right? and fire and brimstone yes yes and it makes sense um we've been visited for thousands of years by these entities and they're still visiting people today and i think that's why we see such a similarity between near-death experiencers and uap experiencers in the after effects we have been touched by something otherworldly that we can never deny and it changes your mindset Forever,
1: absolutely. One of the things you bring up in your book, in terms of the uh, 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 correlation or connection between NDEs, perhaps OBEs as well, and UFO encounters, is something you call information download. Something that so many people talk about, and in so many different encounters, including spiritual awakenings, transformative or peak experiences like yours, truly had in two thousand five, information download, and not just one, but a a stream of information for me that right. lasted uh, three and a half months nearly, uh, 24-7. That's another story for another time. But uh, commonalities, let's touch on that before we close out. By the way, before before we do that, I want to say, yes, we are going to have a special event uh, this time on Patreon. We're not going to the after show uh, today because we've got, I'm going to bring it up right now because it's all connected. You all are going to want to read this book. I'm talking to the patrons as well as those that may consider becoming patrons. Here's what we're going to do this time. Mindy has been kind enough to offer her entire book in PDF for members of our Patreon tier two community to read. And then we're going to come together and have a talk with Mindy live. We're, we'll have more details about it, but and, and maybe I can put a little bit more in the in the show notes, but uh, in lieu of an after show, this is what we're going to do. We're going to create an event out of this because I guarantee you, once you get yourself into this book, page turner is an understatement, but um, there are going to be a lot of things, Mindy, for us to want to discuss, and our audience is so prolific in their own search. Uh, this will be an amazing conversation. So I just wanted to put that in there. Um of course we'll have a link to 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 Mindy's book but jump on board with us on patreon and uh you know we have these special treats every once in a while and I'm so glad Mindy's agreed so oh I can't uh, wait oh it's gonna be fun you just got so so much where where do we end here you know I want to touch on shadow people for you things that were happening to you in the beginning I don't know we can't we don't have too much time to go into it but in retrospect, Mindy, given all that you've gone through, all that you've gleaned, all that you've been privy to see post this event, this NDE, have you looked at the shadow being, what you called shadow being, I'm very familiar with it, encounters, and connected some correlation as to Mindy's path here? Did this journey really start way back then? Absolutely. Um,
0: well, and I I go into the book, um, again, I bring up Kenneth Ring. His research was really the turning point for me whenever I discovered the Omega Project. Um, he put together a, a, college battery um where they interviewed ufo research or ufo experiencers and near-death experiencers he had always just looked into the uh the near-death side of things but one of his colleagues said you've got to read communion and whenever he did he said okay i see there's some kind of similarity here uh one of the things that he found out of this big study was that there was an encounter-prone personality and that there was a set of general after effects. And we've talked about some of the after effects. The encounter prone personality tends to be someone um, who may have had some kind of childhood trauma um, or they've, they were born naturally inclined or they had a, a parent that kind of fostered this kind of thinking in them where they were able to learn how to dissociate and dissociate to the point where they excluded their environment, basically being able to go into states of deep meditation. And um, I I learned how to do it, I remember as a child, just from the pain from my physical um ailments and you know my genetic condition caused dislocations all the time and everything so i learned how to and we didn't know it was more like you know back in the 70s and 80s suck it up <laughs> so you, you know were you're
1: you were disassociating
0: yeah. i was yeah. um so it was a, a matter of learning how to dissociate um and reach into these other realms that enabled people to be able to do this. Um, So that's one of the main commonalities that we find. And I think that that has played a huge part in my life and all of my encounters with the the shadow people and um, prophetic kind of dreams and and different things, ghosts, um, you know, spirit encounters. All of these things are a result of that ability that I learned as a child. I taught myself, you know, to be able to escape the physical pain. Um, and it, it put my brainwave somewhere else. Um, but I think that it's been used as part of, you know, kind of the hero's journey where you overcome and mm-hmm. overcome and overcome in order to reach the final reward. Um, and what that reward is, I, I don't know. But I know since I have been living my purpose, since my return, I'm living my dream. I've I have always wanted to be involved in UFO research. I used to watch, you know, sightings and stuff and as a kid. I was 5, 6 years old. I wouldn't watch Sesame Street. I wanted to watch sightings and unsolved mysteries and you know, watch the UFO stuff. Um even though I wasn't an experiencer of that phenomena, I have always been so taken with it. Um and that you I'm know fascinated of. that you know. Yeah. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Um but i have always been so taken with that um and where that takes your mind you know to be able to expand it to these different realms um so being able to be involved with MUFON now i'm now the director of training nationally um, i'm no longer the oklahoma state director so i've been promoted Congratulations. Um, yeah. um, and i've I've had so many cool opportunities meeting you out there at at Aliencon and just all of all of your colleagues. Dream come true is uh, an understatement. Wow. So um, thank you so much for having me here and and letting oh, me talk with dear. you. And-
1: Oh, my dear. Well, you are a treat indeed and someone that I want everyone to get to know. I said to Mindy off camera, please do let me know anything that I can do to make uh, your journey even more, fulfilling. just a little bit, just exposing you to, first time to, to to my audience. And we'd love to have you back. Um, it's just, uh, you know, when you think of the human journey that has so many bumps can have so many bumps and bruises along the way physically as well as mentally and emotionally. Um, Think of the amount of people that for whatever reason may never glimpse what that journey was all about until after the fact you have been through those bumps and bruises times 10 to bring you almost full circle back here on planet earth to realize a dream that is so powerful.
0: Yeah. I wish and, we could all just learn to live our purpose. That that really is it. Love others, live your purpose. We're here for a reason. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is to overcome and to remember our connections, remember to love each other and and serve your purpose. I mean, we all have something to be doing here on earth. That's why we're here.
1: Absolutely. I think we're going to leave it there, Journeyers. We'll we'll have Mindy back for sure. Mindy, where can people find you? I know they can get the book on Amazon, right? Of course. Yes. Um, um, they can
0: find me on my website, mindytotbest.com. Uh, I have a link to the book there and um, some of my UFO research with the Hayden Hughes files. Um, I now own the International UFO Bureau and curator of it um and also on the the page for my book there is a music playlist and i would encourage people to go in and and listen to some of those songs because those were ones that spoke to me so deeply during my journey um so it kind of sets the tone and and for those that connect musically
1: it'll speak to them i love it Oh boy, I was uh had to finish up uh pr- preparing for our interview today and I saw something. I think that was the list that I saw. And I'm like, I've got to get back to this. I'm gonna so I'm gonna go do that right now. Okay. Very stupid. <laughs> Listen, again, no after show, but wouldn't it be cool to come on over to Patreon, come be a part of our community and get involved in something like this, we're going to have a meeting with Mindy and you'll get the free book so you can study up before we meet up. Please consider it. (laughs) Mindy, you are a treasure. I don't want you to hang up. We're going to do a proper goodbye, but I am going to sign off with the beautiful audience for now. Please, dear ones, love one another. I think the most fundamental is the most powerful message. Continue to love. Love is going, if there is a matrix, that can break the matrix, and give us a, a view into how spectacular we are all connected, how we are all connected. So with that, I will say thank you as always for turning into Higher Journeys and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Mindy. Bye. Bye.